Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. My name is Kylie Miller and we got a room full of agents with us today in St. Joe and I'm going to let everybody go around the table and say hi. So. R.L. Frazier, glad to be here. <laughs> I'm Bruce Carr, glad to be here with you too. I'm Dennis Burns, I'm always here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're in your hometown. So. That's right, you're in... <laughs> You're here at the research station where this has become our conference room at the station has become our recording studio. That's it. That's right. And it actually is working out. I mean, we've done numerous podcasts here here this fall, and uh, it's actually uh, it's working out a lot better. Working out a lot better. I, mean, I enjoy it. I'm enjoying the face to face versus trying to do this over the internet. Yeah, and it's it's you know, and we kind of schedule when people are coming to the station. Uh, we you, we did one earlier. You did one earlier this morning with Tristan Watson, our nematologist, and he came up to do some field work. So you got a podcast. Catch them while they're here, huh? Get them while they're here. <laughs> Get them while they're here. Hello. So today's topic of conversation is going to be our our winter meeting that we have coming up. Um, I think we've titled it the first the first diversification to your crop production adding diversification, adding adding. diversification to your crop there we go yeah. so let's talk about what our goals for that is and uh you know the agenda and what we've got planned all right i'll start off um the meeting is december 15th mm-hmm. it's at the scott center in winsboro it's going to be from nine to two and we're going to feed you lunch if you you want to stay for lunch we're going to feed you lunch and our goal was we're, we normally have a crop production meeting and we do weeds, disease, bugs, that type thing, the normal stuff. Well, we since we said let's look at something different, and we now have potential of other crops that have kind of faded out, maybe coming back, and that's kind of what we said. Well, let's look at adding diversification back, and we've also got a couple of new crops that are starting to get a little bit of interest. And all these will just add to your crop rotation to help in overall production, just mm-hmm. breaking some cycles. Well, yeah, and you're right there. Like, one of our topics is peanuts. Now, Bruce said, I mean, between, or even between you and Bruce, y'all are peanut guys. You know, y'all, y'all have all the peanuts. just a bunch of goobers. <laughs> y'all do peanuts. like peanut butter. <laughs> you know, talking about the peanuts and kind of explain what we're looking at here. You know, peanut, peanut production... Um, in Morehouse Parish, where I'm a county agent, has has been a historic um, crop, and that goes back to the days when we had, you know, allotments and peanut allotment. The guys at Morehouse Parish had peanut allotment, and it's been kind of a, um, I'm not gonna say a closed crop, but you know, there's there's some extra harvest equipment involved in it, um, and it's but it fits very well into a rotation with cotton, um, with corn. And even beans, soybeans to a certain degree, but you have to watch out for some diseases there. Um, but it's a good, it fits in the rotation well. Um, the pricing on it is, is com- very competitive um, with what we're going to see for, for crops these days. Um, you got to have sandy loam soil. Uh, sandy, the sandier the better. Yeah, that's one of the biggest drawbacks is being able to go into that three-year rotation out of peanuts trying to break right. those disease cycles. My thought is to grow 100 acres of peanuts, you need 400 acres of ground. That's right. 
to be able to rotate a fishing. Sandy ground. Sandy horse. Sandy when ground. I said 400 acres of ground suitable for peanut production, how about let's, that? Let me, let me make a comment here about the peanuts. This morning, when we were here doing this, we tried to dig our peanuts here on the station, and we're in a good, strong, commercial-owned soil. And we were, now granted, we were digging with a sweepstead digger, but it didn't work too well. So, our, our, we're going to have to go back to collect some yields. We're going to have to have a potato fork, and I'm going to need everybody in this room to raise their hand as a volunteer to hold one end of that potato fork. So, so I mean, it makes a good prop, doesn't it? <laughs> so, when we, say, when we say sandy ground, we're talking about real sand. The sandier, the better. Almost, almost a beach sand. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's now, that doesn't mean it won't grow in other crops. I mean, in right. other soils. Oh, they, there's a lot of peanuts down there. Yeah, it's just it comes to the harvest inside of it. And, you know, like anything else, the more trash you put in it, to, in this case, dirt, you know, you're going to get dock part. Well, and, and that's the, even in some of your heavier soils, you can grow peanuts. It's It just makes your um, harvest a little bit more, your harvest time a little bit tighter. Um, ground ground moisture is has to be just right on the, the, the button um, mm -hmm. to invert them and then you get and shake them off when you, you dig them so that's that's a challenge but boy when you when you look at the, the potential returns on it um, you gotta remember it's a lagoon so we're putting nitrogen back in the soil mm -hmm. um, so it's a, that's a real plus especially you know the uncertainties in some of the fertilizer markets right now um, but it's and it does it fits into our topic just right it is adding diverse what you're saying Ariel one out of every four years, it's you're adding a, a pro, potentially profitable crop into your rotation. Right. And, you know, like I said, it's not for everybody. It's well, not for everybody. One but of the, it does have the potential if you're willing to invest in it. One of the challenges that we have here in North Louisiana is, is after we harvest it, where can we get it to? Mm -hmm. Who's going to take them? Um, and that's that's one of the things we've got on our, our our agenda is to bring some some folks in that market and give us some ideas of okay you've got this crop planted here's how you, here's how you market it here's how you you book it here's some of the things you need to know before you put that peanut in the ground um, so it's you know it's it's kind of a new thing for for our guys a lot of guys um, have been doing it a while a lot of guys are looking at it real hard because they do have that good sandy loam ground that'll work well for peanuts and they're looking for a way to to um, diversify their crop rotation. And so that's, you know, one of the things we're giving a, uh, you know, a shot to look at, bring some folks in, get some folks talking to each other about the peanuts. What do we do with them? How do we grow them? I mean, because they, they, it's a different crop than, you know, we were talking about herbicide drift and the different herbicides and this, you know. It's, I look, I knew nothing about growing peanuts. Still don't know much. I, I don't know, we planted them here on the station we sprayed them with Gramoxone, which I just kind of cringed when we did, but it works. And um, and I don't know. We we I mean we grew peanuts. So I mean they're but they're different. They're, they're different. It's a little bit different. It's a unique deal, but it's different. But somebody that's never grown rice, it'd be the same it's thing. Same well, that's true. It's a different. But now, if you get over on the ridge, now, over here, like you know, Kyle, y'all got land to grow peanuts, you know, and you got enough to rotate with. But it's, we're going to be somewhat limited over here as far as our, like your guys in Madison, they're having to swap around. But you get over on the ridge, 
most of it would you know be way more potential. If it'll if it'll grow grow a sweet potato, it'll grow peanuts, mm -hmm. and that's sacrilege. Y'all might hear about me getting strung up on the, the <laughs> going back into West Carroll Parish, but it's it's a it's a good fit on some of that um, mm -hmm. sandy sandier sweet potato ground. On that making rich on soil. that making rich soils, it really is a uh, could be a strong um, well. And that's what that's this goes back to the goal of the meeting is to energy is to bring back and we're fixing to move to another crop that we're going to bring back that's coming back around and that's grain soil. Yep, grain soil has been kind of fading away because the pro was a lot, a lot had to do with price. We had sugarcane aphids, aphids, um, somebody to buy, somebody yeah, to buy. The biggest problem we were running it's, into is there was not a quote elevator wanting to take it at time of harvest. Mm -hmm. I think Dennis, y'all had the only elevator that was buying on the spot or taking yep. it on the spot down here in Tinsaw. Uh, our guys that when it got profitable that had grain bins that could hold it till mm -hmm. January, February delivery, whichever the, whatever they wanted, was the only ones that could grow it. So, well, yeah, yeah, I see it coming back. Last two years, we've had more grain sorghum than we've had in years. We have yeah. to. Well, that's Kyle. You had none, did you? You had a grain sorghum variety trial? I did, but it went under 15 inches of water. So. Oh, it didn't survive? Is that it what did you not survive. It did not survive. Well, that proves one thing. It's not an aquatic plant. It's not, it's aquatic. It's not an aquatic you plant. It does not like going underwater at planting. So. Uh, but you had, in Concordia Parish, you had a pretty good we bit. We had a pretty good bit, yeah. And the elevators, I know the elevator in Bidalia and Natchez, they were, they were actually warning people mm -hmm. to plant Milo. So it's... Here again, it's an old crop that's kind of come back around. And the yields were good this year. Um, yeah. So. And with and with this one, we are going to talk about production. We got Matt Foster, who's a state specialist. He's going to talk about production. Tyler Tolles is going to talk about bugs because the aphid, sugarcane aphid, is a. It was a big issue. It's a big. It's still. Well, I think, I mean, yeah. It's a big issue. I think we've got a little better handle on how to manage, mm -hmm. not get carried away with just. Treating for the heck of it, yeah. flaring the sugarcane aphids. Yeah. Well, that's but proper management of insects yeah. is the big key from well, what I've seen. Tyler's going to talk about bugs, and then uh, we got Dr. Michael Deliberto is going to talk about e the economics of it. So I mean, it's a, be interesting. It should be. So, yeah. yeah. And the next thing um, is the roast basin, like what y'all have been doing here on the station. Um, yeah. It looks like, you know, Dr. Matt Foster, he's going to talk about it. And uh, David Mosley, of course, is our soybean specialist. He's going to touch on that, too. Yeah, that's the row spacing is a big deal because we have gone to a corn, corn soybean is, I mean, we got a lot of growers that don't own a cotton figure anymore. They're not set up to grow cotton anymore. And so, but they're still on 38s. And I know from what, we've got a project here on the station. This is the first year of it, but we're showing pretty good yield bumps with uh, 30 inch corn versus 38s. Same thing with soybeans. Uh, it's, it's, of course, it's just the first year, but it, I mean, it makes you sit down and stop and think about it. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know, Bruce, what they, well, you got anybody on 30s? Yeah, I've got, a, a, in West Carroll and Morehouse, we've got a, a good tranche of folks that are on 30s. And you know, when you start looking at that conversion to 30s, and that extra row that you're picking up every every few feet, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's and then like in beans where you're where we're shading out, 
a whole lot quicker. Canopy closure. Um, same thing with corn. Uh, irrigation gets a little bit challenging when you go to the 30s. That's the one thing I've noticed um, because you're, the amount of water you need to put down the roads, but it depends on your soil type. Yeah. So I've, I've seen you know, 30s being a uh, just a, a boon in some in some stances. Um, takes some getting used to, especially if you're if you're checking. Well, it's, it's, I mean, if you're if you're walking a 30 inch row in corn, um, it, it it can be it can be challenging. Like, like a big old boy like me, and, and we have bears in West Carroll Parish, so it's no, we have bears here on state. <laughs> They're just a fact of life. But then I will, and this is just strictly anecdotal. Doesn't doesn't. There's no research, no scientists this. But I know from the grower I worked with with 30s uh, versus 38s, and we saw it here on the station. The 30 inch rows. You know, you have all the grass come up. You know, right at as the corn dries down, you have the grass. It doesn't come up in the 30s. Right. And that's nothing but me sitting on the combine looking down. Well, there's nothing grass in here. It, it definitely shades out. I mean, it's a it from from standpoint of making that herbicide stand up. Yeah, you know, I hate to say full season, but full season. I mean, now your ends get opened up. I mean, you, you know, that's that's just we have to fight with. But I've seen it in beans and in corn that that thirty inch row stays clean well into harvest. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's something definitely to look at, even if you're not going to planning to jump out to a to a sixty inch bed down the road that 30 inch road um, there's some benefits to it and we've even got some guys that are trying 30 inch cotton well yeah you're 30 talking. inch bed I mean, you know and planting continuous cotton not 30 inch and skip but a, the fact they're picking today all right well i mean i'd be interested to see i'm um the 60 inch here in the 40 here i've got a, we've defoliated it and I'm gonna go walk it next week when the leaves get off and look for bowl rot. Uh, that's and I'm the thirties, the thirty inch cotton. I'd be really concerned about bowl rot. Uh, but you got sixty inch cotton, and we got some sixty inch cotton too in Madison Parish, and it's done really well. Yeah. And comparing acres, not row acres, but field acres, it's it's standing right there. Mm -hmm. Head right there, shoulder to shoulder with them. Sometimes a little better. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when you take into account their reduced seed cost, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not for everybody, but it works. And we're not going to talk about cotton today on this meeting. We're just talking about strictly corn and soybeans. But we do have a consultant mm -hmm. and uh, a producer and a producer that will share their experiences about it. Uh, so I think I think that part of it would be good yeah. too. Yeah, and Got then on. we'll have a nice, lovely lunch, and then go into canola. Yeah. So that's that's new for me. So I've yeah. never even seen canola. That's, that's the man. I've seen it one time. <laughs> <laughs> that makes you know, once. Uh, we went. We had a guy uh, planted some in uh, East Carroll. I mean, literally on the East Carroll West Carroll line there. But first, I'd ever seen it. I'd seen it all winter long. Thought it was just a cover crop. And had a meeting with them, and actually went and looked at the field, and, and they told us, you know, they'd had some issues, got what hurricane or something come along. Anyway, they they had only a partial stand, wouldn't have been a hurricane, might have been, I don't know. Anyway, partial stand, 
and they were still satisfied with what they seen there uh, with the canola and that they're going to do it again. Uh, the potential market is there. Uh, you grow this in the winter, right? Yeah, it's a winter crop, excuse me. Okay. Like wheat. You plant it after you harvest your corn or beans, you plant it. It's a winter crop because, I, like I said, I thought it was cover crop when I seen it all winter growing there. And then there in the spring, you would harvest it. And then you come back with your uh, soybeans behind that. You can double crop beans with them. Uh, and I reckon probably, yeah, you would have time to double crop cotton with it if you had good irrigation. Uh, but yeah, and the last I was heard, the only market, you'd have to take it to like Memphis or somewhere like that. You do have some trucking costs involved in that, but the potential for profit is there. Uh, and that's where we want to bring this out. None of us, or at least I'm not comfortable talking potential profits with it because I don't know the prices, yields or anything. That's what we're wanting to look at. But well. We're going to have a, a variety trial here on the station. Right, as a result of you and I. Every time we hear of something somebody's planting new, we have to try it here on the station, and that's what we're for. Well, it is, and we got to figure out how to grow it, you know, just... To make recommendations. To make recommendations. I mean, we just got to figure out how to grow it. I will say this. I told them on the plot combine, when we get through this year, we're going to pull it in the shop, and we're going to get a flashlight. And we're going to get up in there and we're going to put duct tape over all those little holes that soybeans yeah. won't get out of, but the canola will yeah. fall out of. Because yeah. so, we want to, you know, we want to be accurate with our deals. Yeah. You know? uh, but anyway, we do have Doc, Dr. Josh Lofton out of Oklahoma. He's going, and he's actually going to zoom in, I think, and, right. and give us, he'll tell us how to grow. And that's the same Josh Lofton that was with us for several years. Mm -hmm. and, uh, or he went back to Oklahoma. Yeah, he and home. his wife, yeah. Yep. Just that Midwest drawl to them. They couldn't stay. <laughs> hey, that's fine. Uh, and then it looks like um, we're going to have grain bins next, and uh, Michael Delaberto is going to touch on that on cost of marketing opportunities, which I'll be excited to hear that. So. Yeah, with all the grain bins yeah. we have now and in the process of being built, it's something that they definitely need to learn how to use it as a tool, not just a somewhere to store for the heck of it. Yeah. It could be very profitable or it could be very detrimental to you if you don't use them right. Well now, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't we have enough, we don't have enough grain bins in Northeast Louisiana to feed the chicken mills? It's what I've been told that every acre grown in North Louisiana would last, I'm gonna throw a number out there and somebody gonna laugh at it. I say three to six months. At the best, it's a it's a challenge. I mean, and, and the, the the you know the grain bins, the benefit of the grain bins, it as a tool, because what what you get into, and, and we all know this. I mean, when you when you start shipping corn, everybody wants to be able to ship it all at one time. Well, that's that's one of the downsides for the producer is that the chicken mill may want ten thousand bushels this week, five thousand bushels next week, and it. But a lot of times they're playing a premium for that that for you store so it's a tool it's a it's a great tool um but it, it there's a challenge there with the cost of carry when you start carrying that crop forward um, there's some things that dr alberto will bring out that's going to be very important to consider uh, how long do you hold that crop 
and how long you're gonna, um, you know, what, what are some of the, the things you need to, to look at for that cost to have that, that grain in the bin, um, and how fast you need to get it out of the bin. I know with us, our biggest issue is trucking. So. Nowadays, being able to move, being able to move stuff up and down the highway. It's scary, uh, the risk that you take every time that 18 wheeler drives off the farm, and I sure hope he gets there and back safe. <laughs> and Kylie, with y'all, y'all got y'all just got grain bins, right? Yeah. So, but yours, you're such a, you'll be in a position where y'all farm, y'all just haul straight out of the field to the grain bin. If we if we want to, if you um, want to. Um, we're very lucky to live and actually we were all talking about this this morning before I got here to have the infrastructure where we can take it out of the field and take it straight to the elevator and, you hit on have, and be able to unload and get back quickly because I mean Catahoula I don't know if y'all have seen the news or seen it on Facebook I mean they're getting maybe one two loads a day the line at the elevator is insane it's so bad so you hit on a very key point right there Grain bins. I had a friend of mine in Mississippi, North Mississippi, agent up there, made this statement: "If fellers in the corn business, he's a fool not to have grain bins." For several reasons, the way he justified that statement was, like you said, with the grain bins, you got two options now mm -hmm. during harvest. You can go to that grain bin while everybody else is sitting in a line. Mm -hmm. right. You can also potentially harvest a little. Earlier. Earlier, mm -hmm. moisture-wise, put it in that bin, put a little air on it, bring it down, get it there. But when it comes a little shower and everybody else is sitting at the house twiddling their thumbs, loading up. you're emptying that bin going to that elevator where your trucks is probably the only ones there. You're in and out. You're in and out. Or if the scare out. of alpha toxin ever comes back up, there you go. you've got somewhere else to take it. You, you've there. got another option. Now, I know a lot of people bag, and I see that a lot in Catahoula. I see some people still do that. Um, but, I mean, we need options. The more options you have, the better better grass. And we grow a lot of cotton, and I wonder if some of that is because of our infrastructure as far as elevators okay. and crane bins. So. That's what I'm saying. But you look at, you can see the marketing issues that yeah. Bruce referred to mm -hmm. of holding it or whatever and selling it, you know, to the mills at certain times when they need it. But you also got that big advantage of being able to harvest. that. Those trucks become more efficient then. Yeah. It's a, it's and a, reduce your risk on the road that's my during a, that's a, a, a hectic time. Well, it's, it's a great harvest day. I, I had guys this year um, in Morehouse in West Carolina that had bins, and I'd say, well, are you going to the elevator or are you going? He said, I go to the elevator until I get a line. Mm -hmm. He said, then I go into the bin. Yeah. And they did just what you're talking about, or else whether they they catch a day where, where things slow down, or they, or they load a truck at night and they have it sitting down at the elevator first thing in the morning mm -hmm. to unload. We so it's it's a it's a huge aid, a tool on the front end. Um, and then look at it from the back end of the marketing side. Yeah. Yeah. And Dr. Delbert will touch on all yeah. that. Yeah. Well, and Kylie, just follow up. You got one of your growers, I know I talked to several years ago, that they loaded trucks in the morning. Just what you're saying, they loaded, they loaded trucks in the morning and went to the elevator, and then when you know when they got started cutting corn, we started harvesting that day. They went to the bins and they did that every morning, 
just to keep space in the bin. Yeah. We yeah. always we always finish the day with the trucks loaded. Everything loaded, grain carts loaded. That way we can fill up another truck when they come back. I mean, that's the best, fastest way to get the crop out of the field and and you know avoid some of that mm-hmm. elevator line. But I mean, we're like I said, Concordia is very fortunate with where we're at. We also have a place across the river there in Natchez. But my heart goes out to those like Lartos, South Catahoula. They've got a long way to go. And I know I talked to some people this this week that are like from Louisiana Delta taking them all the way to the Mississippi River and you know their crop that's a long way yeah, a lot of risk that's okay. not a if I ever gonna get road rage it's gonna be on that highway <laughs> right there I'm sorry but I know it's I, it's a hard road so my heart goes out to those guys but um like I said I don't know if that's one of the reasons that cotton is very popular in Catalism it, it does well and you know you can avoid some of that so um, I'll be interested to hear Michael's touch on what he's going to talk about. Yeah. Um, that'll be really a really nice add to the program. Um, other than that, we have cover crops. I think that's what we're going to adjourn with the meeting with. And, uh, of course, we'll have James Hendricks, and he'll talk about um, his research and everything he's doing. And uh, Dr. Naveen is the economist. Um, he's going he's gonna to talk about, I guess. And Naveen's going to address it from the... I may get shot saying this. If I understand him right, he's going to address it from the economic side without the government support money. Thank you, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of I'm sorry. A lot of the guys that's listening, they plant the cover crops because they get the money from NRCS or whoever. And I've heard them make the statement: when that check stops, I stop planting cover crops. But they don't understand the true benefits that it can bring them—financial benefits. And I think that's why we have um, we have a producer coming to talk. Um, is it Marty? Marty Ernest. Ernest. Yeah. Okay. I'm reading this on my phone, and it's not lining up on everything. It's supposed to, but yeah, Marty—he's supposed to come in, give the, the producer point of view. Um, to the benefits of why he grows cover crops, and I think that right. would be nice to hear um, right. what what that value is being added to his place. So, um, outside of what you were talking about, right? yeah. Well, we got James Hendricks. Can't leave James Hendricks. Well, yeah. <sighs> we could have. He's he's going to talk about growing cover. And I tell you one thing, James is going to talk about is treating cover crops as the same way you treat your cash crops to get the most value out. So. Well, I think we have a good program set up. And, it's be, uh, I think so, too. It's going to be great. A lot of new new areas we're exploring. Yeah, and if it's and something you want to hear and you don't want to hear, like if you want to come and you want to hear on the, um, the row spacing and you're not interested in peanuts, you don't have to come in um, for that session. You can come in. We're going to break it up to where you can come and listen to what you want to hear and um, and get out the door and get back to your life if, if you didn't want to hear about canola or something like right. that. So um, we're trying to make it to where it's convenient to you to come um, and get the information that you're that you're looking for. That's so, it. The yeah. whole idea when we started putting this together, somebody throwed it out on us, but it made sense. Let's put it in blocks. Mm-hmm. Let's cover all the canola here in this one block, this one time frame. Same thing with peanut butter. It could be a come and go. We want you to come and stay all day. Don't get us wrong. Right, but but we understand people have other places to be and things to do. It's hunting season. I understand. So <laughs> oh, yeah, we did. We showed up from nine to two. So you could go hunting in the morning. Come listen. Go back in the afternoon. There you be, go. Yeah, plenty of time to get back. Plenty of time, and we'll get feed. back and stay in the afternoon. 
and it's going to be at the Scott Center on December the 15th. And you'll hear us talking about it, and it'll, it'll, we'll have it on Twitter and all that. So <laughs> uh, come listen. So. All right. Well, uh, the next thing we wanted to talk about was the Ag Expo. We've got Bruce with us, and he's in charge of that. And um, I know with COVID and everything that's been going on, it's it lo- it's going to look a lot different this year. And uh, Bruce, I'll just let you... Yeah, well, try to try to get it. Last year, um, with all COVID restrictions in place, um, I, I sit on the, I, I'm a member of the North Louisiana Agribusiness Council, um, kind of an ad hoc member. Um, we couldn't have it. We couldn't. We couldn't have the expo. Couldn't have Ag Alley. Um, but we bring the students in and talk about agriculture and the importance of agriculture in in North Louisiana and in our economy. So we roll around this year. Um, Still feeling the, the effects of, of COVID restrictions, um, we said, well, what can we do? Well, we really can't plan on having schools having field trips. So we are um, not going to do the, the traditional Ag Alley days where we bring the students in. What we're going to do is have, during the Ag Expo itself, which is the Friday and Saturday, um, we're going to have our researchers and faculty staff presenting. Um, on various topics, uh, putting those schedules together right now with who's going to present what and when. Um, it's it's going to be different from what we've done in the past. Uh, we encourage folks to come out on Friday afternoon, uh, Friday evening. We're going to try to have some uh, specialists, state specialists talk talk about kind of the crop season wrap up and what to expect for the coming year. Um, should be some good information, kind of t- timely information. This will this will be the middle of January. So we may have a better feel for what some of our input costs are going to be, what some of our acres might be um, at that time. Um, just uh, maybe we'll know by that time if we're going to have a winter or not. Um, you know, January is uh, in the middle of January. We still sometimes still in the, the, the throes of fall, so we'll see there. Um, but we want to invite everybody out on that Friday and Saturday. Uh, on Saturday, we'll have our um, our FCS agents and our 4-H agents and our ag, ag, ag agents um, presenting um, everything, uh, hands-on activities from uh, healthy living to healthy eating to gardening to uh, turf, turf problems um, in the yard. Uh, believe it or not, January is the time of the year for, for folks that are, are, are residential folks might be listening. January is the time of the year to be thinking about stickers and long December, no, January, February. Uh, so we're gonna have some, some folks talking about turf, talking about different aspects there. Um, it's gonna be different. I want everybody to, to um, come out and, and give us a try because it, uh, it's not gonna be just the, the typical stand around with tables and visit. Uh, we're gonna have some presentations and hopefully it'll be a, a good time. Yeah. First, yeah. Let me ask you a question here, and I should know this answer. Friday you were talking about, and that's going to be the presentation by staff, mm-hmm. or researchers, and whatever. What time is that going to start on Friday? Roughly? We're going to start Friday. The, the the Ag Expo officially starts at 2 on Friday. Uh, it's going to be the 14th. 14th, yeah. January 14th. Uh, our presentations probably will start about 3 o'clock. Okay. And we'll run 3 o'clock probably till about 5.30. So, oh, it's two and a half hours. Well, we're going to break it up. It's not going to be straight through present one presentation after another. Um, we're going to have some time. If somebody has questions, somebody we can encourage discussion with, with the specialists. 
you got some you got some brain power there, um, and I encourage people to tap into it. The reason I ask that, Bruce, having worked at the Ag Expo for numerous years, I'm gonna give y'all a compliment here. It seems to me like you're getting it back toward a Ag Show. You know, uh, I, I really, um, I remember Ag Expo, and I may get, you know, run out of the business for saying this. I remember the Ag Expo back in the 90s where we were very producer driven. That's what I'm getting at. And, and it was, we brought, we tried to bring producers together with researchers. And it was, we all have our meetings, our, produ our production meetings in our parish parishes. But this is a, a chance to, to bring people from across the, the region together. And that's one reason, in my, in my visioning, is to, is to change it up a little bit, get us into that producer on Friday. But the, the general population, the general residences, they've got questions. Um, horticulture is immensely important um, to, our, to our lives every day. Um, in, during, during the COVID um, restrictions and the shutdowns, gardening went through the roof. Everybody wanted a garden. It's huge. And I, you know, I encourage people, you know, don't stop gardening. Don't stop doing things in your yard. And this is a really a good time if you've got questions about um, my tomato didn't grow this past year. What did I what did I do wrong to it? Um, I, can, I don't know if I can give you that answer because I, I you know the, the old adage is, is tomato comes into this world looking for a reason to die, and I've helped a bunch of tomatoes out. <laughs> so, but we'll have some folks there that can answer those questions on Saturday. We'll have we'll have some folks there on on Friday that can answer those questions. So I just encourage everybody to come out. Um, we'll, we'll be talking more about it as we get closer. Um, I'll, I'll have some schedules um, that hopefully I can tell some tell y'all exactly when folks will be there and who will be there and what we'll be talking about. Okay. Well, just to reiterate that the Ag, Ag Expo is going to be the 14th and 15th of January, and that's in West Monroe at the the um, at, I Camelton. At the right? I Camelton at the, at the Expo Center. All right. Well, guys. We'll have him back a little closer too, with maybe some more. Oh yeah, we're going to have to have him back. Definitely yeah. schedules. schedules. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I think I'm ready to close up. We've been on here a while, and uh, um, I guess uh, anybody needs any information on anything we've talked about, always reach out. We can email an agenda to you, or um, I'm sure we're going to put it out on all our social media stuff. Mm -hmm. So take, stay tuned for that, and uh, we appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you much. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local Extension office.